0: Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about functional anatomy, specifically musculoskeletal physiology through the NCSF Certified Personal Training Manual. Okay, first, our learning goals. We want to be able to identify the components of the skeletal system and understand the composition of bones, which is made of primarily calcium. Uh, Recognize the different types of joints and their function. So you have your wrist, your elbow, your glenohumeral joint scapula, your patella, your knee, your ankle, your toes, those are joints, your fingers are joints, your neck, your T-spine, your lumbar spine, your entire spine, those are segmenting joints, and uh, you have C1 to C7, T1 to T12, and then you have L1 to L5, and then you have your sacrum and coccyx, and all of that makes up your spine, which are all individual joints. Your ribs, there's joints in between uh, the ribs that connect bone to bone. There is lots of different types of joints in your feet and in your hips. Uh, So, uh, joint is where space is uh, given or taken. So, we'll be talking a lot about joint mobility. Recognize the different types of muscle tissue, uh, understand the basic architecture of skeletal muscle, and and process the muscle of muscle contractions. Understand fundamental concepts related to force production and understand different types of muscular ca- contractions and muscle fiber types. <clears throat> so, like I said, composition of bones: you have a lot of calcium. There's also a lot of collagen. Uh, there's a good amount of phosphate and a little bit of carbonate. And there's a little bit of sodium, magnesium, and uh, cal- and uh, what's the other one? Car- carbonate. Okay. So those or sorry, let's see, we have phosphate, magnesium, and potassium are the small traces in your bone. So you do have a little of that in your bone, um, but you're primarily going to have mostly calcium, 37%, 33% collagen, and 17% phosphate. And then you have 10% carbonate, and then 1% of those uh, potassium uh, traces with your phosphate and your uh, magnesium. So bone anatomy, You have inside of your bone, you have nerves. Uh, Those nerves go inside of the yellow marrow that you see, or if you can't see the diagram, there's yellow marrow. And then there's also a medullar cavity. There's a cavity that has the marrow inside of it. So think of a rod inside of a bone. And then you have spongy bone, which is outside of that. And that's on the outside of the bone and right below uh, the surface. Uh, your compact bone is the surface level bone, and then you have articular cartilage that surrounds the ends of the bones where the two bones meet. The distal epiphysis is away the away from the midline, and proximal is toward the midline. Um, and then you have your, let's see here, your bone growth. So it grows, obviously, and it, it stops growing, um, you know, at, a certain level, uh, you have your epithelial plates that come into um, uh, fruition in your teens, but your bones are always growing. So you have your osteoblasts, osteocytes, and osteoclasts. So osteoblast that synthesizes bone. Osteocytes are formed from uh, osteoblasts and osteoclasts break down bone tissue. So there's this constant, I guess, kind of circulation of bone growth that occurs through these cells. Okay, so if you think of osteon, osteoclast, osteocyte, osteoblast, think of bone. Human skeletal system. So you have long bones, short bones, irregular bones, and flat bones. Okay, examples of long bones are your arms and legs. Example of short bones are your hands and feet. Examples of irregular bones would be your vertebrae, uh, those spiny and pointy bones, right? Flat bones like your scapula, it's like a wing bone, okay? You have your uh, cranium, which is your head, right? Your maxilla, which is your jaw, or your maxilla, which is um, your your mouth. Your your mandible, which is your jaw. Your clavicle, which is the bone right underneath your chin. You can scrape your chin across your scapula when you flex your neck. Your cervical spine is when you look up and down or left and right. Uh, so when you're looking up and down, that's your atlas or Cervical one and then atlas would be looking left and right or rotation. C1 to C7 is your cervical spine. You want to make sure you take care of those, obviously, because if anything were to happen there, you wouldn't be able to use your limbs or your upper body. So then you have your mandibrum, scapula, and sternum. So your mandibrum is right in the center, right below, I guess, if you had an Adam's apple, if you were a male or if you aren't a male, it'd be right below your chin when you flex your neck down, that's your mandibrum. And then your sternum is the plate that is in between the bones, right in the middle of your chest. So that's your sternum. They have to split your sternum open if you're having like a heart attack, right? Uh, your scapula, those are your wing bones. So when you protract your scapula, or when you elevate your scapula, retract your scapula, or bring your scapula down, So you can make a circle with your scapula by shrugging your shoulders all the way around. That would be your scapula moving. Uh, You have your ribs, obviously. Your ribs are important for breathing. When you inhale, your ribs expand like a 360 degree. As you see, there's like this 360 degree um, inner casing of the ribs. So when you inhale, those ribs expand outwardly, and forward and back, but they they shouldn't be flaring up and forward. It should be, think of a 360 degree soccer ball inside of your ribs blowing up. And then when you exhale, think of that ball decollapsing and getting smaller. So your ribs go down and in on your exhale and they go and they laterally expand on your inhale. Your diaphragm, which is in pictures, we'll talk about that, sits right underneath your ribs, the bottom ribs. And it's like a tube shape and um, almost like a mushroom shaped um, muscle and it's when you inhale, it drops and flattens on the way down to your hips. And as you exhale, uh, it floats back up like a balloon. And that's uh, located in your uh, between your ribs and your pelvis. So that area between your ribs and your pelvis, we call intra abdominal pressure. That is a, your core of your core, is right there. That's where your diaphragm lies, right in front of your lumbar ver- uh, vertebrae. Your humerus is your upper arm bone, you have your uh, radius and ulna, your ulna, think of your um, ulna and uh, tibia, since they're at the end of the alphabet, they're on the inside of your body when you turn your thumb out when you're um, bringing your arm down in front of you in the anatomical position. And then you have your ulna, which is right underneath your pinky, and you have your radius, which is right underneath your thumb. And then when you put your two fingers below your thumb and press down into your radius, you're looking for your radial pulse. Okay. So that's what we look for when we're looking for our pulse. You have your sacral vertebrae from S1 to S5. So those are fused. So you have your sacrum and your coccyx, which is um, obviously a little bit lower than your lumbar spine. You have uh, your pelvis, uh, which is your hip bone, your big hip bone. So your Think of your pelvis as the scapula of your upper back so the scapula and uh pelvis actually do similar things right and then also your femur and your uh humerus do similar things as well as your fibula and tibula and your radius and ulna so your femur is the big lower bone your thigh bone that big strong bone you never want to break that right because it's going to be really supporting and then you have your fibula and tibula. Now I've broken my, uh, my fibula before, which is your outside lateral lower leg bone. Now it hurts, but you can still walk on it. So I was still able to walk with a little bit of pressure. I had a cast on and uh, I broke my leg playing soccer actually. So it was a pretty traumatic experience. Then you have your metatarsals, which are what? Those are your toes uh, and your flanges flan- are your toes and your uh, metatarsals are like your knuckles. And then you have your tarsals which are like right below uh your uh tibia and fibula right on, above your phalanges and metatarsals okay so you have your phalanges metacarpals and carpals that would be your wrist so right below your uh, radius and ulna you have your carpals then you have your metacarpals and then you have your phalanges which are your toes or your fingers okay so that's a little bit of human skin. Uh, skeleton uh, anatomy. Bone health. So we consume adequate vitamin D and calcium to uh, maintain bone health. Weight-bearing activity is going to increase bone health. Uh, BMD or bone mineral density can be improved until the age of 30. So the quality of your bone can be improved until the age of 30 and then it declines. Uh, Genetic nutrition and physical behaviors dictate rate of decline. So obviously if you're getting adequate amount of vitamin D calcium and you're getting weight bearing activity, um, you're probably going to have pretty good bones. Okay. And you're going to be resistant to, you know, injury, compact injury, you know, um, resistant training for youth does not limit bone growth. So 10 rep max creates higher stresses. All right. So which means that, um, kids can still work out. It's not going to limit their bone growth. There's no, there's no evidence of that. Actually, kids do a lot harder things in play than they do in the gym, for example. When they're sprinting, jumping, and playing tag, those are more vigorous activities than doing things in the gym, like a leg extension or um, a squat. So types of joints, you have fibrous cartilaginous, and synovial joints. Uh, there are ligaments and tendons that provide structural support. So you have muscle, muscle turns into tendon, tendon turns into um, ligament, ligament turns into bone, bone turns into the joint, and the joint turns into the joint capsule, and you have two bones that meet, right? You have two bones that meet. And what you have on the inner, innermost side is the cartilage, okay? Okay. And then outside of that cartilage, and even in between the cartilage, you're going to have synovial membrane, which is fluid, which is, goes in between the bones. So your bones are not actually touching, although they are literally touching. Um, there is just a tiny bit of space, a little bit of space in between it. Then you have your synovial membrane, which um, is obviously outside of the cartilage, like I just said. Then you have your bursa. That will expand and inflame if there's high pan... Compact injury. And then you have your joint capsule. Now, your joint capsule is going to dictate the space within uh, your joint, which means that if your um, capsule is healthy, you're going to have full range of motion. If your capsule is unhealthy, or if you have um, bad lines of tissue in, in a certain area of the capsule, it will limit the muscle. From doing its job. So the joint capsule actually dictates motor movement. So, unless the joint capsule gives it access, it won't move. Okay. And then you have tendon, like I said, bone, and then muscle and cartilage, which sits on top of bone, which would be the last. Joints of the limbs are synovial uh, for movement. So, the joints of the limbs, those all are synovial joints like your elbow, wrist, uh, glenohumeral scapula. So you have types of synovial joints. You have a plane joint, um, which is like, think of two flat things pressing on top of each other. Um, It allows bones to slide past each other. So medcarpal and metatarsal joints are plane joints. A pivot joint, think of a rod going through a hole. A pivot joint allows rotation on an axis. Pivot joints are found in the neck and forearm. Okay. Those forearms can um, pronate and supinate. Hinge joint. Think of your knee and um, elbow allows extension and retraction of an appendage. Hinge joints are found in the knees, elbows, fingers, and toes. Okay. Condyloid joint. A Condyloid joint is similar to a ball and socket, but with less movement, the wrist is a condyloid joint. Um, saddle joint. A saddle joint allows moving back and forth, up and down. And the only saddle joint in the human body is the thumb, okay? So the saddle joint, you can just link that with the thumb only. And then you have your ball and socket, which is your glenohumeral and your hip socket, right? A ball and socket joint allows for radical movement in almost any direction, right? 360 degrees. Ball and socket joints are found in shoulders and hips. So muscle tissues. So we have skeletal muscle cardiac muscle and smooth muscle. Your cardiac muscle is most of the major muscles that you're aware of, like your latissimus dorsi, uh, which is your uh, upper back muscle, or your uh, lumbar erectors, which are your lower back muscles, Your erector spinae, which are the muscles that go up and down the back, Uh, your pectoris major and minor, which are your chest muscles, your serratus anterior, which is underneath your uh, ribs, uh, right above your ribs, right next to your armpit, and you have your shoulder blade muscles which are your rhomboids and um, your teres major minor and you have your trapezius you have four different parts think of it as a, uh, a four-shaped uh, sided uh, object and then you have uh, major muscles in your quad so you have your erector uh, femoris you have your uh, latissimus or sorry your um vastus lateralis vastus medius Hamstrings, which make up your uh, semimembranosus, semitendinosus, also your adductors, your adductor magnus, gracilis, sartorius, all these lower leg muscles, and then all the way down to your even your lowest leg muscles, which would be your um, fibularis anterior, your gastrocnemius, soleus, and uh, all that uh, peroneal tissue in your forearms and uh, lower limbs. Cardiac muscle is going to be obviously just the heart. There's a specific type of muscle and it's only for the heart, it's called cardiac muscle. And then you have smooth muscle, which helps things like digestion in your organs. Your organs are made of smooth muscle, it's a little bit different than skeletal mus- muscle. Skeletal muscle structure. So outside of the uh, muscle, you have what is, think of a sausage wrap, that's your muscle fascia. And then inside of that, you have your endomysium which is basically a collection of your uh, bundles of fibers and fascicles. Fascicles make up muscle fibers. So muscle fibers are bunched up. The fascicle is like the muscle fascia. <laughs> so think of fat muscle fascia and then fascicle. Fascicle is inside of another fascia. So it's like a sausage inside of another sausage. And then inside of that sausage are links of thousands of threads. Think of like, um, you know, thousands of threads, whether it's strings or spaghetti noodles, those are your muscle fibers. And then each one of those muscle fibers um, has blood vessels, it has their own um, uh, nerve endings and sarcomeres and myofibrils, myosins and actins, which are kinetic links that help um, muscle move. So, how muscles contract? Now, this is a very um, you know, scientific process, Um, obviously there's a lot more to this and you can go deep into this, but I'll try to go over this the best that I can. So there's neuromuscular junctions. So there's a motor neuron located on the top and goes inside of each muscle fiber. So each muscle fiber, like I said, has its own motor neuron with its own cell body, with its own dendrites, axon, myosin, it has uh, neurons and nucleus. Okay. And then that goes inside of the muscle fiber. Okay. And the muscle fiber is going to have a nucleus. It's going to have its own mitochondria. And it's going to have inside of these muscle fibers, there's myofibril. Okay. So myofibril, or even smaller fibers. And inside these fibers, <laughs> there's sarcomasic uh, plasmic reticulum. Your sarcolemma is the out casing of that. So your sarcolemma. Is the outcasing of the fascicle, which is an outcasing of the muscle fascia. So think of all these layers inside of each muscle unit, okay? That is how muscles contract. They have uh, synaptic vessels, axon terminals, uh, presynaptic membranes, T tubules, sarcolemma. Uh, they have all these mitochondria and all this stuff interacting together just for each myofibril. And each myofibril is inside of a muscle fiber, which is thousands and thousands of muscle fibers inside of a single muscle fascia, inside of a, right next to another muscle bundle, right? And then you have nothing. So this is just one quad muscle, one rectus femoris, or vastus lateralis has all this inside of that. And then you have another muscle that's kind of all linked together and all that is tied in together in a, what we call fascia. And it's like another hot dog casing around all those muscles. So even after all your muscles are compacted, it's another hot dog casing basically. And then you have your skin, right? So you're just, your layers and layers and layers of tissue is what, is what functional anatomy is, is gonna teach you how muscles contract so action potential travels down T tubules like we talked before to sarcoplasmic reticulum or your SR SR releases calcium which unlocks bond between actin and troponin okay opens the door for muscle contraction myosin can now attach the actin to form a cross bridge and then ATP is split at cross bridge which allows myosin head to pull quote unquote slide actin into contract fiber So cross-bridges cycling and the sliding filament theory, this is called ATP muscle contraction. Uh, And this goes throughout the um, different muscle, muscle fibers, muscle fiber cells inside of the myofibril, which is inside the muscle fiber, which is inside um, the muscle. So there's many different links we talked about. Okay. All or none principle. So um, some attend summit, Summation of contraction, so an incomplete uh, fusion to compute, uh, complete fusion to fatigue. Okay, so the all or none principle basically states that once we have um, squeezed our muscles, they all kind of interact together and then they also fatigue together. So when you squeeze your bicep, all the muscles inside that bicep are contracting pretty much as one Uh, and then as soon as you let go, it it fatigues. Force production, Um, so force production dictated by motor unit firing rate recruitment and synchronicity. So the more muscles that are synchronous with each other, the more force production. So think if you use all your muscles in your body at the same time, you're gonna increase force production, increase firing rate, increase recruitment, increase synchronicity. So the better your muscles interact, the better uh, the more force production you're gonna have. So you have agonist, an, agonist and antagonist neural patterns facilitate smooth muscle production. So forces that act against each other and they kind of um, also balance each other. So synchronized versus unsynchronized firing. Uh, types of muscle contractions, you have isotonic, concentric, eccentric, isometric and isokinetic, okay? Um, an example of a shortening of the tricep with your skull press here. um, Eccentric when you bend the elbows and concentric when you extend the elbows. So muscle fiber types, you have type one, type 2A, type 2B or 2X. Type one are fatigue resistant, slow twitch, low power output, small fiber diameter types of muscles. Think about your uh, long distance runners or swimmers And then type 2A or type 2B would be um, one, or sorry, we'll go back to type 2A, fatigue-resistant, fast twitch, intermediate power output. So a little bit in the middle. And then your biggest ones are gonna be your fast twitch, your fast fatigue, fast twitch, high power output, large fiber diameter. So that's gonna be your sprinters, okay? So your sprinters are going to be uh, your type 2B athletes, and then your uh, long distance runners or swimmers are gonna be your type 1A. Or one metabolic uh, characteristics so it's a high oxidative capacity for your type one, and obviously low oxidative capacity for type 2b, low glycolytic capacity for type one, and then high glycolytic capacity for type 2b. So those big muscles are going to need a lot of the sugar, and the smaller muscles are going to need lots of oxygen. Um, high mitochondria density, so the type one muscles are more dense. Uh, with mitochondria, and type 2b are lower dense muscles, okay? Going back to types of muscle contractions, um, I'll let you look up isokinetic and isotonic. The three main ones that most people are going to be concerned with are concentric, eccentric, and isometric. Eccentric would be the lowering phase or your brakes. Concentric would be your firing, your acceleration phase, and isometric would be Withholding stress. So like if I were to push against the wall with my arms straight or hold a push up plank, that would be a isometric contraction. The size principle, um, so tension and time. So more tension, more time, increase uh, motor unit uh, fiber. So mo- motor unit one recruits, um, uh, once you're about to like contract, your first muscles to contract or your motor one unit, which are your smaller, fuffle, smaller fibers, and then your motor unit two recruits, uh, those are your medium fibers, and then your motor unit three recruits, those are your larger fibers. So um, the longer it takes and the more tension it takes, the more muscles are gonna be used. So if you don't need to use a lot of muscles, your body's not gonna waste a lot of energy. If it takes longer or if you need to use more tension, you're gonna start recruiting more muscle fibers. So fiber type distribution, so distribution is genetically determined. Um, You know, you can have certain muscle patterns based on your genetics. Your bones are gonna be structured differently. Everyone has different shaped bones. Uh, You'll see people that are hypermobile. You'll see people that have limited mobility naturally, you know, just, well, most people, 80% of people are gonna have the same mobility, right? Uh, You know, uh, 10% are gonna be hypermobile and 10%, 10% 10% are gonna be under mobile. Postural muscles are gonna be more type one and movers are gonna be more type two. And type two muscles uh, experience greater hypertrophic responses, so biceps versus calves. And you don't pick the sport, the sport picks you. So basically you're born to be a sprinter or you're born to be a long distance runner. It's hard to uh, compete with uh, athletes who are gifted naturally uh, through genetics. All right. And so that is a breakdown of, um, what do we go over? Muscle physiology here today and uh, your NCSF uh, certified personal trainer. Thank you everyone. And I hope you enjoyed this uh, uh, video and have a good day. Thanks.